You guys ever, when you were a kid, saw your parents do something and you want to do the same thing and they're like, well, when you're grown, you can do it too. And you're like, what the heck? Like, I remember one of the things that I always saw my dad do and I was like, this is the best thing ever was take the whipped cream in the can and just do it directly into his mouth. Like he would just go to the fridge, open it up and you'd hear that and he'd walk out like his mouth kind of big and I'm like, what'd you do? He's like, whipped cream. I'm like, can I do it? He goes, no. I'm like, why not? He goes, you'll get your germs on it. I was like, one of us has been on this earth way less time and probably has far less germs, and it's not you. But he said, oh, when you've grown up, you can do it. When you've grown up, you can do it. I remember getting older, and I remember that first time I was at college, and I remember there was whipped cream, and I'm like, oh, heck yeah. And I, and I did, and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is freedom. Like, no one cares. Like, I remember, remember the first time you do something, and you're like, wait, I, my, you're waiting for your mom to yell at you, but she's not there. And it's just like, you, you do that. I remember, like, this is awesome. And then I grow older, and then I have a kid. And my son, who is also named Hal, I'm in the fridge, and, I, and all of a sudden he hears shh, and he's like, what is that? I'm like, it's, it's whipped cream. He's like, can I do it? I'm like, no, not until you're older. <laughs> then later on, I hear my wife go, what are you doing, Hal? And he had climbed up in the fridge, gotten the whipped cream, and done it himself. But you know, here's, what, here's what's about freedom. Freedom is something that we get. It becomes, there's a responsibility that goes along with it, though. Like, we, we have it, but it, there's something about it that when God gives us that freedom, he expects us to do something with it. And we've been talking about that the past couple weeks, how through grace and forgiveness, God gives us incredible freedom. But it, so many times what we do is we go back to uh, another way. So many times we look at Christianity and we go, it's not about grace, it's not about freedom, it's about rules. And we can go back and forth so many times. But when we see the incredible grace God gives us, when we understand the freedom that God has for us, it sets us free to do so much more. And actually, it makes Christianity something that we don't have to do. It's something that we get to do. It makes doing good things not something that we have to do, but it's something that we get to do. But Paul's, Paul wants us to understand there's a responsibility that comes along with that. Galatians 6.14 says it this way. It says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. He goes, what I thought I should be doing and what I wanted to do has died, and there's something new that I must do now with this freedom. You know, I think like the ultimate symbol of freedom growing up was a car, right? That first moment you got a car and you could leave. Like it was just great. I remember getting a car. My dad's like, this is awesome. You have a car. I'm like, this is freedom. He goes, you get to take your sister everywhere she needs to go. I was like, man, that was awful. And I remember that's why he wanted, he was so excited when I got a car. And I thought it was because he believed in me. No, it's just no more transportation. But my friend Brad, actually, for some reason, some awful reason, somebody decided to give him his first car was a convertible Camaro, like an old one, like a nice one, like from the 70s. I don't know why they gave it to this kid. He, he didn't understand how to take care of things. In fact, he didn't understand what car maintenance was at all. And so he would drive it around, and it looked awesome. It sounded awesome. We would drive around. Uh, when we were on the same team together for volleyball, we would drive to and from matches together, and he just didn't take care of the car. And it was about nine months into it. He hasn't taken care of this car at all. It's starting to sputter a little bit. I'm like, hey, Brad, there's something wrong with the car. He's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's just an old car. I'm like, okay. So we're coming back and we're down, going down this toll road. Back when toll roads, you couldn't just go through them. You actually had to stop and throw change in there and hope it got in there because if it didn't and went off to the side, you were just screwed. Like, like oh, I don't have another quarter. And you just had to find it. Well, we pull up to that place. He throws the change in, goes to hit the gas. The car just stops. 
just stops. And I'm going, Brad, what's up? And he can't start the car, he can't start the car. This, actually, this car of cute girls come up, like three of them, and they're like, hey, do you need any help? And Brad goes, no. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I could have gone with them. You could stay here. Like, and he goes, no. and we're sitting there, and I was like, Brad, what is up? I was like, did you ever change the oil? He goes, what? You have to change oil? I'm like, yeah, that's something you have to do. Well, the man didn't change the oil the entire time he had the car. It actually stopped up in the thing. The car was useless after that. He couldn't have it anymore. See, it's the same idea with God. Not that it's like we have to change our oil, but it's this idea. God's given us this incredible freedom, but there's something that comes along with it. It's a responsibility that we have that once we have that freedom, we're supposed to show other people that same freedom. We're supposed to show other people what God has given us to this point. We're supposed to show other people that what we're living in is not based on rules. It's not based on guilt is what a lot of people think Christianity is about. It's based on freedom. And so in that, we get to serve others. Galatians 5 says it this way. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what's interesting. It takes Paul five chapters to use the word serve. Five chapters. Why? Why does he wait so long after going through, hey, make sure you don't fall back into rules, make sure you don't do this, make sure you do that, to get to service. Here's why. If you truly want to serve God, but your heart's not in the right place, you're not going to be able to do it. You're going to be able to serve him for a little bit, but your heart, if your heart's not in the right place, if you're serving God out of obligation, sooner or later your heart's going to sour for what you're going to do, and you're not going to want to do it anymore. You're going, to say, you're going to be, man, I really want to serve youth. And you start to serve youth. If your heart's not in the right place, after a while, they become nuisances. They become things that you have to be a part of. You start to look at everything that's going on in their life. You're like, I don't want to deal with that. If you're someone that's like, man, I see this problem with this homeless population in, in Tampa, and I want to help them out. Well, if your heart's not in the right place, you're going to be overwhelmed very quickly. See, Paul's like, I want to make sure this. I want to make sure your heart is in the right place so that once your heart is in the right place, you have that freedom. Your heart is so overflowing with God, you're going to be able to serve other people in the same way God has already loved you. See, if we're going to love other people, we have to allow God to love us first. The only way we can love in that same way is God has to come and find it first. Galatians 6.2 says this way. It says, share each other's burdens and in this new way, obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Jesus was asked, what's the greatest law? He goes, love God, love others. That's the law of Christ. This new law is to love God and to love others, not on your own merit, but through the same love that God has given you. Because if you don't do it through there, it's not going to be consistent. It's kind of like this. Once you understand that freedom, it's something that's great. It's something that's so good that you can't help but share it with others. If you've never been in that place before, then I would go, man, you need to check your heart and realize what's the areas that I don't have freedom in. But once you have that, you want to share it with other people. It's kind of like those people that do CrossFit or Orange Theory. Like they're really excited and they feel like they should tell everyone about it. And they feel like they should give me motivational quotes on how I need to get my life together. And like the other day, I saw one that said, man, the first step to being great is getting off the couch. And I'm like, the first step to me feeling better is deleting your account. So it worked. And don't get me wrong. That, that's awesome that that, that that stuff is happening. But when you're doing something great, for me, it's finding a really good meme. You know those memes that you pull up and you're like just laughing and the person next to you is like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I just found a good meme. And then I'll send it to my wife, and I'll wait for her to laugh. And she's like, huh? I'm like, you don't get humor. You don't get humor. You've been, we've all been there before. But when there's something good, what? Do you want to share it? 
When there's something that's life-changing you want to share, when you find a product or something, you're like, I need to make sure everyone knows about this. In the same way, when you truly find freedom, when you truly felt love from God, you have no choice but to share it with other people. It's, we have no choice but to allow that to happen. And in fact, that's the reason why people show up here is because some of you are like, man, I've been to the exchange. There's a lot of incredible people here. They care for me. They love me. I want to bring other people into it. Galatians 6.10 says it this way. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those who live in the family of faith. So the question is, how do we... How do we do this? How do, how do we start off? And so what happens so many times, and I'll be honest with you, I've been on the wrong side of this before. As a student pastor, I said the thing, God wants you to change the world, which sounds really good, but to the person on the front row, they're like, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot. And I remember telling people, God wants you to change the world, and it makes you go, oh, I, maybe I don't want to stay away from God. I don't want to affect that many people. And I've gotten away from God wants you to change the world, and God wants you to change the people around you. And really that's what we got to do is first we got to figure out who God's put in our lives. Because God hasn't called you to change the entire world personally. God has called you to change someone's world. God's called you to love someone in your life in the same way he has. God wants you to affect those around you. you. I have those around me. You have those around you. God's put you in that place specifically. There's family. And yes, I know it's really hard. Those are, sometimes that's the hardest one is family because you don't get to choose those. Like we wish we could because we would have chosen differently, but we have family and we got to love those people and the friends that we have around us. Then you have your job, you have your school, you have your hobbies. There's the people that God has already put in your life. And then there's the people I believe that God has called you to seek out. There's the people that God has called you to bring into your life. For us, it's fostering. We bring people into our life through fostering. For others, I know, it's they've gotten into the, the women that have gotten out of the sex trafficking industry. There's people that help those that are homeless. There's people that help all different types of people. God puts those in your life, and he puts a passion in your heart for those people. And here's what I've found many times. Many times when you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, you feel a little overwhelmed because you're like, I'm surrounded by a bunch of crazy people. You ever been that way? Like, why do crazy people always talk to me? Why do people with a lot of problems always talk to me? You ever been there before? They're like, why am I always that person? It's on purpose. It's not always fun. I remember there's sometimes where I sit in bed at night and I talk to my wife and, I, and I, there's a person in my life that is a lot. And I, what I want to do is I, I'm telling her all about that person because what I want her to do is go, you know what? Man, you need to pass them off to somebody else or you just ought to give up. She always just goes, man, well, that's perfect for you. What does that mean? <laughs> but it's true. A lot of times what God does is he's going to put people in your life. God's not going to put somebody perfect in your life. I mean, to Mary, of course, like my wife. But God, <laughs> God's not putting somebody perfect in your life. God's going to put somebody in your life that needs the same freedom you do. God's going to put somebody in your life that needs the same love that you needed before. And what we get to do in those moments is as God put them, puts them in our lives, we get to love them and care for them and show them the same freedom that we have. See, we, we figure out who they did and we help them in their place of need. See, you have to actually get to know someone to get to know their needs. You guys know that? You have to actually get to know someone, which is not something we always want to do. Because when we see somebody that has needs, that's not what we want to do. We normally don't want to take a step forward because then we find out what they need and we feel like we actually have to do it. So we have to actually get into someone's mind. We have to find out what's going on. One of the coolest stories I remember from this little girl who would go to our kids' ministry. She, she would go to what's called Summer X, and you guys know what that is because we miss 
we missed a week because of it. It's our, it's, for, it's our VBS that we have for all of our little kids, and it costs money. And this little girl went up, and she asked this other little girl, she's like, why aren't you going to VBS or Summer X? And she goes, well, I don't have enough money. So she goes, okay, well, she's second grade. She's like, what can I do? She notices on her drive home, mailboxes are dirty. So she goes up to people, and she goes, hey, little cute girl. She goes up, hey, can I wash your mailbox for $5? I want to help someone go to church. Who says no to that? Right? I mean, there's definitely some people that probably look through the window and it's like, oh, it's a cute girl. I'm walking away. Like, I don't, I don't need that. She's probably selling cookies that I don't need to eat. But she goes up and what does she do? She raised all this money. She actually, I think she sent like four or five kids to Summer X. Why? Because she saw a need and she did something about it. But here's the truth. The need's not always something physical. Many times the need that we're called to help is emotional or spiritual. Yeah. Or it's just somebody that needs Somebody to listen to. And, and I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we, we stay on the physical side or we stay on the money side. Many times what we like to do is this, is we see somebody with needs and all these things and we throw money or we throw resources at it because we don't want to get involved ourselves. I, I'll be honest with you. That's what you see. The older you get, the more likely you are as your life gets busier. When the people that are in ultimate need in your life, the people that God has brought into your life, it's going to be easy to step away from them emotionally and spiritually and give them the physical monetary things and hope everything gets better. See, God wants you to love someone. The only way that's possible is get to know them, get to know who they are and love them in the way that God has called you to love them. Matthew 25, 34 through 40 is a verse that really, it just kind of shows us who we're supposed to be helping. It says this, it says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of this world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. It's one of those moments where we go, okay, those are the people that we stay away from. I mean, I remember when my wife went into prison ministry, I'm like, but why? Like, there's nothing wrong with prison ministry. I'm like, but why are you called there? Why do you, they're totally different from you. They're in a different place. And what we do is we tend to dehumanize people that are far from us and are a little bit scared. People who are homeless, people that are in prison, people that are in areas of their lives that are very tough. And on the outside, we're like, we can't help them. God's like, those are the first people that we run to. Those are the first people that we look to help out. We start off with a physical need. We go into emotional need and we show them God. We show them God because here's what we don't know. We don't know how much of an effect that's going to have. And I still remember my dad grew up in a, in a household that was not Christian at all. Um, they went to church. They were, they were CNEs, Christmas and Easter. They went at those times. Um, they were part of the Catholic Church for a little bit, but apparently at that time, the Catholic Church didn't like birth control, and my grandma had had her fourth kid, and she's like, we're switching churches um, to one that's okay with that. And apparently, four kids will do that to you. Um, so, they weren't really involved that much. They went every once in a while. And then one time, my dad went to this Bible study that somebody asked him. And the guy sitting next to him goes, hey, do you know who God is? Just out of the blue, just asked them that. They had a conversation. My dad started to understand. They had conversations on a weekly basis. He ended up becoming a Christian. It led the rest of his family to Christ. His 
brother is also now a pastor. I'm a pastor. He's been leading churches on an incredible level. That guy sitting next to my dad at that moment, next to that teenage kid, did not expect him asking him about God, him getting into his life to have an expanse, to have a size influence that it ended up happening. See, we don't know what God's calling us to. We don't know who God's calling us to affect, but here's what we do know. When we affect just one person, that affects so many more. So when you look at it, when you look at what God's saying, nothing is too small because a person is so much more than that. We have no idea how God's going to use the kindness that we have in our lives. And here's what we've got to end up doing, and, and I want to make sure I get this clear. We don't just do this on our own. What we must do is show them Jesus and bring them to the church. Why? We can't be anyone's savior. None of us can be a savior. None of us in here can solve the problems of everyone. The reason we want to bring them to Jesus and to the church is because they need more people in their lives than just you. And I know for some of you this is really hard to hear and you don't agree with me because you enjoy being the savior. In fact, some of you right now are dating someone that you get to be the savior to. And we do that, and we, we find these ways of doing that. And I get this question all the time, and I know this is probably going to make some people unhappy, but I get this question all the time. Well, if I break up with him or I break up with her, they won't come to church and they won't get to know God. I'm like, your job is not to date someone into heaven. Your job is not to save them. In fact, you don't save them at all. That's Jesus' job. Your job is to introduce them. In fact, probably the reason they don't know God right now or they may not be taking steps forward is because you're continuing to date them. And right now they're coming to church because they feel obligated, not because they want to. See, some of you in here are also on the other side. You find friendships and all those things where you can be the savior. You like to be the person where that people come to you and they, everything that's wrong in their life, they come to you because you're the one that can solve it. They come to you because you're the one that can help them. You're the one that can listen to them. And I'm not saying you can't do those things, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. As Christians, if we're going to God for all that we have in our lives, but we're being a savior to somebody else, the problem is when that person runs into problems, when that person goes through a really tough time, the first person they're turning to is not God. It's you. And so we have to be very, very careful when we put ourselves ahead of God and we allow other people to see us as that savior, even though it feels awesome to be in that position. We have to make sure that when we're helping people, we're not turning them to us. We're turning them to God. We're turning them to others. We're turning them to a church. Because guess what? When you're surrounded by a church and a group of people, there's way more possibilities that somebody else in that area has gone through the same thing you have. It's actually kind of funny. Back in the 70s, they had this big campaign. And I was not alive back then. Shut up. Um, <laughs> they had this big campaign where they told all the men, they're like, you need to be the one and only person in your wife's life. Like, you need to be her confidant. You need to be the one that hears about everything in her life. You need to be the one getting all of her words. You need to be that totally. And they would rag on men. They would go like, you're awful if you don't listen, if you're not that person in your wife's life. Well, after about five years, both sides were unhappy with the situation. They realized that's not possible. It's not possible for one person to be your everything. It's not. It's not possible for that to happen. Women need other women in their lives. Men need other men in their lives. We need a church around us. That's why God put us in this place. It's not just so we can see other people. It's so that we can be around other people that can help us, love us, and give us advice. We need others around us. And Jesus said, he goes, I want you to bring them to me, but I also want them to be a part of something more. We love others. They love others. It's a multiplying effect that happens. 
See, it starts off with that daily relationship. It starts off with that time with God. And then what happens is through that time, through God loving us and caring for us, we show it to other people. Galatians 6, 7, and 9 is a, is a tough verse. It says this. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. It actually sounds like karma a little bit, but real. Um, it's this idea. I think many times what we do is we start the Christian life. We get confused. We get sidetracked. We get in a tough place. And what goes from a place of freedom, what goes from a place of love, becomes a list of things that we have to do. It becomes a list of things that we're supposed to be doing in our lives. Here's the problem with that. Once it becomes that, it's no longer a love in our lives. Once it becomes that, it's no longer something that can overflow and show other people what's possible. It becomes something that's dead. Guys, this entire series up to this point has been about living in freedom. It's been about stepping away from rules, stepping away from guilt and shame and realizing what's possible in God. This is something that if we actually take the time to do, it won't just change our lives, but it'll change everyone's lives around us. But it's something we have to choose every day. It's something that every morning we wake up and we go, you know what? It's about a relationship with God. I'm going to spend time with God. It's about me looking at other people and seeing what their needs are, not making fun of them, not talking about them. It's me loving other people, not because I have to, but loving others because God loved me first and I get to do the same exact thing. It's an awesome experience that we get to have as Christians and what God has called us to do. Let's pray. God, thank you. Uh, I thank you that we just get to be here and be a part of this. God, thank you that um, you've called us to something more. God, I pray for all of us in here that just have an experience, the freedom that you call us to. God, I pray that pray that we would search our hearts, God. I pray that we bring you in and show us the areas that we're not letting go of, the areas that we're not releasing to you. And God, I pray that you'd show us what, what we could be and how much more. God, I pray for those of us that have people in our lives that we go, man, there is something going on there. I know you're calling me to do it, but I don't know how to do it. God, I pray that we would lean in. pray that we would get to know some people and love people. And God, I pray that we would show them you, not just us. God, I pray very much, though, for us in here that enjoy being saviors, myself included. God, I pray that you would show that in our lives. God, I pray that you'd point it out in the areas where we are lacking. And God, I pray that we would go back and show the people the same God that shows us what we should do. God, we thank you and we love you. And in Jesus' name I pray.